Welcome to the One God Report podcast. This podcast is entitled John 1.14, The Word Became Flesh. Is God flesh? For deity of Christ believers, the Word became flesh is the most concise statement in all of the Bible that God took on flesh. To deity of Christ believers, John 1.1 combined with John 1.14 is the number one evidence that God became man. We need to ask deity of Christ believers who appeal to John 1, 1 and 14. So you believe that God became flesh. Do you think that God is flesh? Ask yourself if this statement really sounds biblical and if you really believe it. My God is flesh. Go ahead, say it yourself, and ask yourself if you really believe my God is flesh. The Bible says that the blood is the life of flesh. So if blood is the life of flesh, is the life of God his blood? I think the question, is God flesh, may help deity of Christ believers begin to see that John 1.14 doesn't mean what they think it means. Let's not deflect, avoid the word flesh, and talk instead in the abstract about how God became man, God took on a human nature. John 1.14 says, The word became flesh. Is God flesh? In podcast number 39, I presented about 10 reasons why the phrase in John 1.14, the word became flesh, does not mean that God became man. In this current podcast, I will seek to show even more conclusively that when John wrote, the word became flesh, he actually eliminated any possibility that the word was a divine being. I don't have a big problem with the translation, became flesh, as I'll later explain, but I suggest that a better way to understand John 1.14 is that the Logos, the Word, was flesh. In other words, the Logos, the Word, God's communication to us, was the human being, the man Christ Jesus from Nazareth. John 1.14 So the Word was flesh and lived among us, we saw his glory, the glory as of a unique son from a father, full of grace and truth. I understand the prologue of the Gospel of John to be an introduction and summary of the ministry of the human person, Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah. The human person, Jesus, uniquely revealed God, or perhaps more accurately, God uniquely made himself known through the human person, Jesus of Nazareth. God spoke to us in and through this human person, Jesus. That is why Jesus is called the Word. The Gospel of John, including the first 18 verses, is not introducing a second God figure, a pre-existent being who was involved in the Genesis creation and then became flesh. Nor is the Gospel of John introducing an abstract plan or purpose of God 
that was involved in the Genesis creation and then became flesh. Rather, the beginning of John 1.1 and the rest of the verses in the prologue do not describe the Genesis creation at all. John's beginning is the new beginning that God has initiated through the man Jesus, the Messiah. It is the man Jesus from Nazareth, flesh, commissioned, authorized, and empowered by God, raised from the dead, and exalted by God, who has revealed God and is the beginning of the resurrection age to come. The Christology, or who Jesus is, in the Gospel of John, is not incarnation, that God became man. Rather, the Christology in the Gospel of John is that Jesus is flesh, the human Messiah, the sent agent of God who makes God known and sets into motion the new beginning for mankind, resurrection life. In John's Gospel, we learn that this uniquely chosen, empowered, and sent man, the Messiah, was put to death, but then was raised from the dead, and then lived among his disciples again before he disappeared entirely. Now, this is an amazing claim. The Messiah put to death, but then raised from the dead and present for short times with his followers again before he ultimately ascended to his Father, to his God. We must not forget that John wrote his gospel with the full knowledge that Jesus had ministered in Israel, had been put to death, had been raised from the dead, and had been with his followers again after his resurrection from the dead. However, at the time that John wrote his gospel, Jesus was no longer physically with them. In a certain sense, Jesus was gone. So who or what was this person Jesus, who taught like no other man, performed amazing miracles, claimed to be the Messiah, was put to death, but was then raised from the dead and appeared again as a body of flesh that could be touched? But then he disappeared and was no longer around. Was he a spirit or an angel? Or like later Gentile Christian philosophers suggested, he was some kind of a god that infused himself into a human body? The Gospel of John answers no to all these suggestions. The Gospel of John says Jesus was flesh, which means that Jesus was a human being. The next topic we'll call the Greek word egeneto. So the word was flesh and lived among us. As discussed in earlier podcasts on John 1.3, John 1.10, and John 1.14, it is essential that we think about the Greek verb that is translated into many English versions as became in John 1.14, the word became flesh. The word in Greek is egeneto, from the root word ginomai. The word has a wide range of meanings, to become, to be, to exist, 
to happen, to come on the scene. And it's translated some five different ways in John chapter 1. In John 1, 3 and John 1, 10, most English translations translate this word agenito as was made or came to be. All was made or all came to be through him. John 1, 10, the cosmos came to be through him. But the exact same word is simply translated as was in John 1, 6. There was, that's agenito, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. John 1.17, Agenito is translated as came. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth, Agenito, came through Jesus Christ. The exact same word. In John 1.28, Agenito is translated as happened. These things happened in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. So, was made, was created, came to be, was, came, happened. We are wise to keep in mind the wide range of possible meanings for this word, agenito. The word is also translated in even more different ways in other places in the Bible. The English word that a translator chooses depends a lot upon theological presuppositions. Is John 1.14 really telling us that a pre-existent second God person called the Logos became or transformed into flesh? To a Greek thinker, maybe. But as we will discuss later, to a Hebraic thinker, flesh eliminates any possibility that the word was a divine figure. The current majority biblical Unitarian view of verse 14 also postulates some kind of a transformation or change, even an incarnation, not from a God person into flesh, but rather from an abstract plan or purpose of God into a human being. The presumption is that the Logos of John 1.1 was only the plan or purpose of God but then transformed into or became a person in John 1.14. According to this view, the Logos was the abstract plan, but then became a human being. However, of the over 1,000 times that the word Logos occurs in the Bible, this would be the only time it means an unspoken plan or purpose. This plan or purpose, Biblical Unitarian view, as with the deity of Christ view, associates the Logos became flesh to the conception or birth of Jesus. But it is very, very unlikely that John 1.14 is about the conception or birth of Jesus. Among other reasons, if conception or birth is what the author intended in John 1.14, we should wonder why the Gospel of John never describes such a significant, indeed essential event. John gives not one word about the circumstances of conception or birth of the Messiah. The incarnation of either a pre-existent God or an abstract plan into a human embryo is the greatest story never told, at least not in the Bible. See podcast number 39. Birth 
and being born is mentioned some 17 times in the Gospel of John. But being born is never described using our word genito. There is a different word in Greek, which means to be born, genao. And the Gospel of John uses it in all those other cases, but not here in 114. Jesus, when he spoke of his own birth in John 18.47, used the normal word for birth, not the word genito, which is here in John 1.14. While I don't have a big problem with translating genito as became in John 1.14, I think it needs to be understood correctly. As we continue in this podcast, I will give reasons why it is better to understand genito in John 1.14 simply as was, similarly to the way the word is translated in John 1.6. John 1.6 there was a man sent from God whose name was John. John 1.14, so the word was flesh and lived among us. John 1.14 is telling us that this person, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph, metaphorically called the word life and light, who lived among the people of Israel both before and after his death, was flesh that is, a human being. Through and in the human person, Jesus Christ, God spoke to his people. This is why Jesus is called the Word in John 1.1 and 1.14. And in the book of Revelation, chapter 19, verse 13, the name by which he was called is the Word of God. In these latter days, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has spoken to us through a son, the Messiah, the man of flesh, Jesus. Or another way to understand John 1.14 is the word came on the scene, a human being, flesh. This is exactly the point of Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. In many and various ways, God spoke in past times to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by a son. Now let's look at the words agenito and logos in other places in the Bible. There are many places in the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, where the word agenito is best understood and translated simply as was, like Genesis 1.3. And there was light. That's the word again, or Genesis 1.5. And there was evening, and there was morning one day. It's the word again, simply was. Perhaps most significant for this discussion are the occurrences in the Greek Old Testament of the word logos, together with again, in the often occurring phrase, and again, the logos of Yahweh, and the word of Yahweh came. Here, agenito is understood simply as came or was, as in the word of Yahweh came to the prophet Isaiah, or the word of Yahweh was to Jeremiah. These phrases with agenito and logos occur over 100 times in the Old Testament, and it makes sense that a reader 
familiar with the Old Testament in Greek would immediately associate the words Egeneto and Logos of John 1.14 with the coming of the Word of God to God's people in past times through God's prophets. But now, John 1.14 tells us, God's Word has come to us in flesh, in a man, Jesus of Nazareth. Let's look at three other places in the New Testament where the words logos and egeneto occur together. In each of these cases, egeneto is best translated as came or was. 2 Corinthians 1.18 Paul says, But as God is true, our word, that's logos, toward you was, not yes and no, Hebrews 2.2, 2, for if the word, that's logos, declared by angels was, it's a geneto, valid, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, writer of Hebrews says, all the more so we better pay attention to the word which was first declared by Jesus. And then John 10.35, Jesus says to the religious leaders in Jerusalem, if he, that's God, called them gods to whom the word of God came, the word of God came. Logos egeneto. In these passages, the word logos of God or of angels was or came. The logos didn't become in the sense of a metaphysical transformation or a change from one form to another. John 10.35 is particularly interesting, since here in John's Gospel, Jesus could be saying that as the Word of God came to the people of Israel in the past, Jesus himself was the Word of God that came to the people of Israel in the first century. To summarize so far, the wide semantic range of the word egeneto and the occurrences of Egeneto with Logos in other places in the Septuagint and in the New Testament, justify understanding that John 1.14 is a declaration that the Logos of God was flesh, came as a human being. In Israel's past, the word of Yahweh came in visions and dreams and voices, but visions, dreams, and voices are not flesh. This time, in these latter times, God has spoken to us by flesh, a human being. I think I'll stop for now and continue this question, is God flesh, in the next episode, where we'll talk more about what the idea of flesh is in the Bible and how the Greek idea that the soul can be separated from the flesh has influenced the interpretation of John 1.14. We'll talk more about other reasons why John would have used the word flesh here, stating that the word became or was flesh. So, for now, this is Bill Schlegel for the One God Report podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, please rate it and write a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. That will help others to find us and share the podcast on social media. 
For constructive discussion, you are welcome to join the One God Report Facebook group. Yishma'u anavim ve'yismachu. The humble will hear and rejoice.